You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today I want to kind of go back to the video from last week about the gay men's chorus in San Francisco and kind of talk about my own personal experience of being the prodigal son, what that looked like, and then being restored to my family, my my biological family in Texas, and what all that looked like. Because it was, um, because I, I talk about a little about this in my book, but um, I don't really get into all the details. So today I want to talk about that and, and what it means to honor your father and mother, one of the 10 commandments and how, how I kind of, you know, I regret not listening to my parents. And, and so I want to get into that today, by the way, thank you guys for all the new subscribers. Thank you guys for all your support. You're amazing. And also I have, you might notice I have a giant new plant. It's actually not a new plant in my apartment behind me. It used to be in the corner over here and I just moved it back there. <laughs> so now it looks like a hot house in my apartment. So today I want to look at three different things. I want to look at number one, rebellion, my rebellion, number two, my redemption, and number three, my restoration to my family and to God, obviously. So when I was young, when I was a kid, you know, I obviously a lot, of, you, you know, this, I was starting to kind of feel same sex attraction as a very young kid. And I started to hang out with, with very young people, my age, you know, when I was in elementary school, very young, um, who also were dealing with the same thing. So, um, I had two friends who were very much, um, very much attracted to the same sex. And they were, they went to my elementary school and my parents at a certain point, I think it was later in elementary school. I can't remember exactly when, but my parents basically said to me, you know, we don't, we don't want you hanging out with those two guys uh, anymore. And it was like this, it was a weird moment because it was like, uh, okay, how am I supposed to tell them? They're friends of mine. How am I supposed to tell them I can't hang out with them? This is super awkward. And so basically I just kind of ignored my parents and sort of, I still hung out with them, but never, it was always kind of in secret. Like I never really told my parents, Hey, I'm going out to, you know, dinner with so-and-so tonight. And so I just completely disregarded my parents' wisdom on this. And my parents were Christian, are Christian, were Christians. They're in heaven now. They're still Christians. Um, but it just, I just completely disregarded their wisdom and their, and their guidance. Uh, and I just was like, no, I'm just going to hang out with these guys. And those two guys in particular were very much, very influential in my developing 
um, kind of my homosexuality developing more and more. And, and they were very kind of, um, much, very much on board with that and, and encouraged kind of exploration and all kinds of stuff. So my parents were actually wise to tell me that they were wise to say, you know, it's not a good idea for you to hang out with these people. Um, they're a bad influence on you. And turns out they actually were a bad influence on me. Um, one of my, one of those guys whom I, I have known, I had known since kindergarten. He died of AIDS, uh, I think 10 to 15 years ago. He had a very, very tragic life uh, in New York. He moved to New York after college and kind of like spun out of control and, and then just drugs, alcohol, sex, like all kinds of just, just craziness. And then he just, he just crashed and burned and he, he died uh, of AIDS. And, and so my parents kind of knew what they were doing. And, and I just see this, especially in the generation today, the, the young generation today, but even back then it was just like, Oh, what do my parents know? Like they're, they're clueless. Like I'm going to do my own thing. They don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, yeah, if I look back on my life, it's like my parents, Wanted, they obviously wanted what was best for me and they wanted to protect me, but I rebelled against that. And I just was like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And, and in high school, I, I talk about this in my book too, but in high school, I became best friends with someone who was gay. We came out to each other. And again, that, that influence on me and I'm, I'm not, saying I take full responsibility for my actions. Like I'm not blaming other people for my actions, but just like Paul says in first Corinthians, bad, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And it's, it's true. It's like, I, you know, was best friends with someone who was not good for me. And, um, we ended up, as you know, you know, in my book, I talk about this. We ended up going to gay bars. Like I was 14 years old going to gay bars in Texas and Dallas. Like I was so young and I was so, I was being so kind of corrupted at such a young age. And, and so my parents, even in high school, they were a little bit like, mm, we don't think you should hang out with that, your best friend in high school. We, we don't think that's a good idea. And of course, I continued to ignore them because they knew. They knew that my friend was probably gay and they could tell. And they, of course, my parents had no idea that I was going to gay bars and going to nightclubs and doing all sorts of crazy stuff in high school um, getting into all sorts of trouble and not trouble, but just, just doing bad things. Um, and so I just, you know, in spite of my parents' warnings, in spite of their wisdom, I just pursued a life. I just was pursuing homosexual behavior. I was pursuing homosexuality and I didn't care. And, and then What's interesting is, you know, it's like my parents, I remember my dad, I, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And I, you know, as I say, talk about this in my book too, 
I was in, I was accepted into law school and to dental school after college because I was pre-med in college. It's a long story, but I was enrolled at SMU law school and Baylor dental school in Dallas. And I didn't know what to do with my life. And I was like, I went to my father and I said, dad, you know, what do I do? I, I don't, and my dad was a lawyer. And so he of course wanted me to go to law school and I, I just completely ignored his wisdom and his advice and was like, no, I'm moving to LA to pursue this crazy life. You know? <laughs> and so instead of, again, once again, like I, with my parents and, and with my father, he had a lot of wisdom and my father, my, my father was very, and my mother, they, but my father was very in, t- in tune with the spirit and in tune with, um, and they were both very godly and very, they, they were walking very strongly with the Lord up until the very end. And he even told me at one point, he said, why don't you just sit, sit still and ask God what you should do? And I, of course, was like, what? That's stupid. I don't even believe in God. Like, I didn't do that. And I just just threw all my stuff in my Volvo and drove to California and and decided not to go to graduate school there. So, um, so I, I, and I, and I ended up regretting that, you know, I ended up, cause when I got to LA, it was of course, super exciting. And I was doing all sorts of fun things as I talk about in my book. And I was doing, you know, meeting everyone, doing everything, having all this exciting stuff. And I had a really exciting life, but but there was so much kind of kind of chaos and insecurity about my life and plus i was i was going through you know cycling through boyfriends over the years and and there was so much pain there was so much unnecessary pain that i went through because i didn't listen to my parents because those because those boyfriends i had were just first of all those relationships were sinful and destructive but also just on a human level, all of my boyfriends, there was so much infidelity and cheating and lying. And, um, it was just all bad. I mean, it was there, you know, the beginning of the relationships were exciting and fun, but they always ended in a very bad way. And, and I went through a ton of pain because of that. And again, my parents were trying to help me avoid that pain. But I just was like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I I had this really dark moment in LA. Uh, It was kind of like things. It was a few years after I moved here and I had, you know, again, amazing friends and was doing amazing stuff, but I just had this dark moment of like, I, I lost a job. I was working on a TV show and I lost that, that show got canceled. And then suddenly I, and the house I was living in up in Beverly Hills, uh, the owner sold the house. So we all had to move out immediately. And suddenly I was like basically homeless. I mean, I found an apartment, but I was basically homeless and lost my job all in the same out at the same time. And I had this really dark moment of just like, what have I done? Like what? It felt like the the parable of the prodigal son. It's like I want, 
I wanted to run home to my parents' house in Texas and be like, take me back. Um, Because it was a scary time. It was like, what am I going to do now? And, you know, fortunately, I got involved in production design and that kind of pulled me out of that and rescued me out of that kind of moment. But still, it was a really scary moment for me. And I actually remember calling my mother in tears and she said, um, oh, I'm with your brother, Damien. Um, and I actually, I was like, uh, I was so kind of distraught that I actually asked my brother, I said, mom, can you put Damien on the phone? I, I need, cause Damien, all of my siblings are Christians, like really amazing Christians. So I was like, can you put Damien on the phone? I need him to pray for me. <laughs> I wasn't even a Christian. And I just was like, I need prayer. I just need something. And he did. He prayed for me. And actually, speaking of Damien, another thing in high school, when I was in high school, again, wisdom, Damien was very wise. He was an, you know, he's an evangelical Christian. And after he met my best friend in high school, I could tell there was, he was kind of like, he had this weird look on his face. And then he had this sit down talk with me one day and he said, basically like Beckett, I, I want you, I can't, I'll never forget this. Like he said, I want you to live above reproach. And I, at the time I didn't really know what he meant by that. And I was kind of like, what? Like I, this is my friend. Like, I don't care. But again, my family, my brother, Damien, was trying to warn me against, um, you know, going down a destructive path, going down a prodigal path. And, and I just completely ignored it, ignored him and and just was like, whatever. I just kind of didn't say anything and then continued just following the path of destruction that I was on. And then, um, as you know, I had an amazing re- redemption 12 years ago in Los Angeles in Hollywood when I walked into an evangelical church for the first time. And I had that road to Damascus kind of moment and just like it completely transformed my life. And, and it was, it was such a, there were so many amazing parts about it, obviously, but one of the, the, cool things about it was I was immediately restored to my family because my family had always, they'd always loved me, but they always, you know, they always made it clear to me that they believed that homosexual behavior was a sin. And so I always felt this alienation from them. I felt, I felt like they didn't get who I was. They didn't get me. And, and, um, and so, what was cool is after I got saved, you know, I, of course I had to, I had to like roll out the news <laughs> slowly to my family members. Cause I, I have seven siblings plus their husbands and wives. So it was like a, it was like a process to tell them. Cause I, it was too overwhelming to tell them all at once. So I didn't like hold a press conference and say, Hey guys, I'm a Christian. now." I had to, I emailed kind of, each person one at a time. I think I emailed my brother Damien first. He was the first person I told in my family because of almost because of that time where he warned me against my friend in high school. And my family members were just 
overjoyed. They were all they were all crying and just like couldn't believe that I was saved. Couldn't believe that I was a Christian. They they just were just shocked. My my sister said she was like, "Oh my gosh, Beck! Like I thought you were gonna have a deathbed conversion or something like that." And they were just so overwhelmed with joy and it reconciled us together. I mean, we, we were, we were finally on the same page and we were not only biological brothers and sisters, but now we were spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, which is like a kind of a double bonus, you know, like in your, with your family members. So my parents were believers and my, all of my siblings are believers. And, and so it's just, remarkable that god god had such mercy on my family it's insane it's so crazy but my father it was an interesting thing everyone in my family reached out to me after i emailed them they were all crying freaking out oh my gosh this is amazing like i but i i never heard from my father and i just was like this is weird so i got saved in september of 2009 I went home for Christmas that year and my, my family's so big that it's hard to even talk to everyone. So I didn't really even talk to my dad about what was going on. And then a year passed and I found out that, and still like my father and I still hadn't talked about my salvation which was weird to me. I was like, why is he not calling me like super excited? And I found out later that through one of my siblings that he, he was worried that it was going to get quote unquote snatched away. He was like, kind of like the parable of the sower. He thought that it would like, it was just kind of a temporary thing. So I think my dad thought it was like, you know, in the parable of the sower, the second example that Jesus gives. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And maybe even the third example Jesus gives, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So I think my dad just thought that he didn't, I, I get, I think he just didn't want to get his hopes up and he just kind of thought, Oh, Beckett is, you know, it's probably going to get, he, and I think he probably, he may have thought that I was still living as a gay man. Like I, I'm not sure. Um, but what was interesting is, the following Christmas, so this was like a year and a few months after I got saved, I was home in Dallas and I went to my parents' house and I was alone with my dad. My, I, I don't remember my, I was just my, it was just my dad in the house and me. And we were in the kitchen and we were chatting and I said, you know, dad, like, how are you doing? You know, you're, 80 something years old, 82 years old, and you're still practicing law. And I heard you're falling down in the courthouse and like, he was having all sorts of kind of health issues. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm having, you know, this problem with my back and this thing and that thing. And, and, and this is the first time I had ever done this. I, I was like, well, let me pray for you. 
And I never, obviously never prayed for my dad in my life. Um, but I, I had been on the prayer team at my church for a year and for like a year. And so prayer to me was praying for someone was super easy and natural to me. It just, it was just very, of course, I'm going to pray for you right now. Like there was no, there was no kind of fear about it or embarrassment. And so I walked up to him over to my dad and I said, let me just pray for you. And I, I laid hands on him and I pray, I just prayed for him. Like I would pray for anyone, you know, for, for healing and for, um, just help and, and for strength and wisdom. And I, after I finished praying for him, (laughs) it was so great. I'm getting choked up now. Um, he, he just, his eyes were closed and then he just turned to me and was like, Beck, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And I was like, dad, I know I've been trying to tell you that. And that was when he fully understood that I was a Christian. It took like a year and several months for him to fully believe that I was a Christian. And, um, he, he was, uh, I'm getting so emotional, but he, he is told, you know, before I left the house, he was like, Beck, I am so happy for you. I am so, so happy for you. And I, and he's like, I'm so glad that, you know, I know this. And, and it was cool because that was in, I think that was in 2010, 2011, like that Christmas, New Year's. And and my parents both died in 2015, six months apart. So it was really cool that my dad got to see, and my mom, because my mom believed it immediately. <laughs> but my dad got to see um, that I was transformed by the gospel and that I was a Christian. And so he was so, so happy for me and so thrilled. So, um, that was, that was an amazing moment. And, and I just, I just loved how after I got saved, I just, I didn't even realize this was going to happen. I didn't even expect this, but it just was like, when I went home to see my siblings and their spouses, it was like, oh my gosh, we all believe the same thing. We all have the exact same worldview. We have the same, it was just like, we're all in the kingdom of God. And it was, it was so <laughs> crazy and, um, and so exciting to finally, because every time I went home and, you know, for the 20 years before that, or whenever, whenever in high school and in college and after that, and whenever I was home, I always just felt like this outsider. And I just felt like I, I could never really kind of celebrate with my family members because they, they just didn't get who I was, but now I could fully celebrate with them. And, you know, when we have, we have this kind of, um, dinner together every year, uh, just the siblings and the spouses. And, uh, it's kind of like our sort of immediate family reunion every it's new year's Eve. So now when that happens, it's like, we're all <laughs> on the same page and it's amazing. And in fact, I, a couple of years ago, we were having our new year's Eve dinner 
at my sister's house and, and we were just chatting and laughing and just celebrating and, you know, and I think the idea of politics came up somehow or something came up about something political came up and there was this pause in the conversation (laughs) and I said, do you guys remember when I used to be gay and a liberal? And they were just like, die. They just like almost fell off their chairs. Um, and they were like, ah, praise God. Praise God. You're not lost anymore. And, um, and so I just really, really now it's just so fun to see my siblings and to go home. And, you know, and I, it's weird. It's like, I know God, worked everything in his timing with, with my life and, and, and it all worked out, praise God. And he redeemed me. But I do, if I could do it all over again, I, cause I think about this all the time. If I could do it all over again, I would have listened to my parents. <laughs> Honestly, like I would have, I would have just done, I would have listened to my parents because I went through so much, you know, kind of trauma with, just all the, the, the destructive life style I was in, you know, so if I could do it all over again, I would have just listened to them. And I just want to read, you know, a couple of passages from the Bible about parents and about listening to your parents and honoring your parents. Paul quoting Exodus, uh, Paul in Ephesians 6 says, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then in Colossians, Paul says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. And in Proverbs 23, verse 22, it says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. So I, you know, I should have listened to my father when he gave me really good advice um, and my mother in Proverbs one, eight verses nine, it says "Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And yeah, if you have Christian parents, it's probably a good idea to listen to them because they have wisdom And, you know, even though I wasn't a Christian, they were, and they had true knowledge. (laughs) They had the true knowledge that I didn't. Proverbs 13.1 says, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to a rebuke. And then uh, finally, in 2 Timothy, Paul says, 2 Timothy 3, Paul says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but, but denying its power, avoid such people. So those are wise, wise words from Paul. But Yeah. And so I just thank God that my sibling, my family members were praying for me for so, so long, fasting for me, 
Um, I, I'm just so grateful that God answered their prayers and listened to, to them. Um, as I always say, my, my sister-in-law prayed Acts 26, 18 over me, my sister-in-law, Kim. So Acts 26, 18 says to open their eyes. So Paul is speaking to King Agrippa and telling about his conversion and he says in verse 18 says to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of satan to god that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me and so i'm so grateful for my family's prayers and just support and love they just loved me through all of my recklessness and all of my you know prodigalness Prodig- prodigality, I guess is the word. So to all those out there who are the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter right now, I I just pray that you will return to not only your family, but return to your your heavenly father, to the Lord. And um, because, because it just, it gets worse. It just gets worse and worse. It, as a prodigal, if you're pursuing the things of this world, if you're pursuing destructive things and destructive sexuality, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And and there's nothing better than being back in the arms of our Heavenly Father. So I just beseech you. <laughs> I beg you to just consider this and to to ask God to help you, to ask God to bring you to himself and and to have mercy on you and and go back and and be restored to your family. I mean, there's, it's just so great. So I just, I recommend that. Thank you guys for watching this, the show. And I will see you next week on the Becca cook show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Becca cook show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Becca cook show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.